Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Tribune Audio Network. I think about this case every day. And I probably will until it's solved. That took a big chunk out of my life that I'll never get back. Because that's, that's, that's a lot. When you lose, it's one thing to lose one or lose a child. But when you lose a whole family, that is a lot. Nearly two decades of investigations crossing thousands of miles. Please release her so she can come home. We all miss her and her beyond words. And still no answers. At the time, we didn't know who it was, but we knew that little girl was missing from Virginia. But never in a day would we dream that she would turn up here. From the Tribune Audio Network, I'm Fox 8's Tess Bargeber, and this is Who Killed Jennifer Short? In the back of the Magnum Point Marina restaurant at Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia, I first meet Carolyn Short and Linda Sink. 17 years ago, they barely knew each other. Now, they practically finish each other's sentences. We just stayed in contact after that. Now we've come like bestest of friends. As they're finishing up lunch on a rainy Saturday, we start talking about the event that started their friendship. Pretty much the worst day of both of their lives. That was one of the worst feelings of my life that I've had at this point. Too many questions and no answers. The big why. Why would someone do something like that? Carolyn and Linda became close in the months following August 15th, 2002. Carolyn's brother and his wife, Michael and Mary Short, were found shot and killed execution style in their Oak Level, Virginia home. Their nine-year-old daughter, Jennifer, abducted. We would urge you, if you know anything about her, if you're responsible for her disappearance, please release Jennifer in a public area and notify local law enforcement in some manner so she can be found and safely returned to her family. Even now, it isn't easy for either of them to talk about what happened, but they say it helps. Now I don't care about stuff like I used to because I feel, I feel like a big part of my life left me and left me alone. Carolyn remembers rushing to her brother's home off US 220 in Oak Level that afternoon and seeing dozens of investigators filing in and out of the single-story house roped off with yellow tape. Detectives have also spent the day collecting evidence from the crime scene. They feel confident whoever shot Mary and Michael Short was familiar with the family home. To get a better sense of those first 24 hours, we started the Henry County Sheriff's Office in Martinsville. 
Walking through the doors, there's a poster sitting on the corner with fading photos of Michael, Mary, and Jennifer Short. It gives the facts of the case and offers an $80,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Hi, Jeff Perry? Yes. Hey, I'm Tess. Nice to meet you. How are you? We sat down with Sheriff Lane Perry, who worked in patrol at the time of the murders, along with the lieutenant who led the investigation for years. Lieutenant Curtis Spence, Henry County Sheriff's Office, retired. Lieutenant Spence says they know that Michael and his employee had been working on a truck in the evening hours the night before the murder, and that Mary had picked up dinner for the family. We know that Jennifer was there running around playing while they were working on the truck. Well, after about 12 o'clock, I really don't know. We don't know what happened. Lieutenant Spence said deputies were called to the home after the same employee found the couple dead around 9 a.m. Single gunshot wound to the head. Sometimes he would actually lay down on the couch that was in the garage area, and that's where we found him. Mary was in the bed in, in their bedroom. Their daughter, nine-year-old Jennifer, had vanished. While the priority was finding the little girl alive, investigators were combing every room in the Shorts' home for clues. The house was up for sale, and it looked like a show place. I mean, you could have put it in a magazine. It, there was nothing out of place inside the house. Well, Jennifer's mattress was moved about two inches, and her pillow was in the floor. Those were the only things that were out of place in this house. I stayed in that house for over two weeks myself, just collecting evidence. I mean, we, we fingerprinted everything you could think of, including the walls. He says when they got to the home and started their investigation, they noticed someone had cut the phone line to the house. Someone would have to have brought a tool with them to actually cut the phone line, and they would have had to have the knowledge of which lines to cut coming in. Uh, all the phone lines were not cut, just the specific phone line that needed to be cut. According to a search warrant filed Monday, detectives took 66 items out of the Shorts' home, including two 22 caliber shell casings found near the bodies of Michael and Mary Short, who were each shot once, a 22 caliber rifle, a 12-gauge shotgun, ammunition, and $600 in cash as well as blank checks. The fact both were still in the home could indicate robbery wasn't a motive. This served us for several years, just this evidence vault right here. But then we had to branch it out and build onto the back of the office. Evidence collected from the home is stored both at the sheriff's office and with the FBI. A small room with boxes packing the shelves, you can see why the evidence had to be stored in two places. It hasn't been retested in a while, but every advancement with DNA, it has been resubmitted for to see if it can hit with something. months before they would even allow us in the house. Linda Sink, Michael's daughter-in-law at the time of the murders, remembers vividly trying to clean the inside of the home after investigators left. They say when a person dies, they don't bleed that much. They die instantly. They told us that Mary had died instantly, but yet when you pull back the cover, the bed was full of blood. Jennifer's room was a mess because where they had put uh, fingerprint stuff everywhere, uh, I guess going in the house, it gave you the creeps too, just to know what happened in there. As family members said goodbye to Michael and Mary at a funeral service, the search for Jennifer intensified. 
The nine-year-old's aunt tearfully begging whoever had the little girl to let her go safely. We miss you and we love you very much. Please don't give up because we will never give up until we find you. Hours and days passed with no sightings, no clues, no sign of Jennifer. On behalf of the family, we're pleading for whomever has Jennifer to please return her, release her, release her to a secure location. On episode two of Who Killed Jennifer Short, family members recall the nationwide Amber Alert and desperate search for the little girl for six weeks. If you have any information which could help investigators, you're encouraged to call the FBI tip line at 1-800-225-5324. Who Killed Jennifer Short was written and reported by me, Tess Bargeber, edited and produced by Sam Walter. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. A five-star rating helps get the word out, and maybe someone out there has the one clue to solve the case. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.